Welcome to Faith FM 87.6 and uh, it's Neil Thompson and I'm speaking with Andrew Pratt this morning. Welcome along to our show this morning, Andrew. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, very happy to be here. Yeah, mate, that's really awesome. Now, Andrew, um, just tell us just a, a quick little bit about yourself. Um, I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Ministry in Theology at Avondale College. I'm 20 years old, or about to turn 20, and um, I've just started to get into ministry these days and I'm working at Toronto Church. Toronto... Adventist Church. Seventh Adventist Church. Okay, fantastic, mate. That's awesome. So, married, single... I'm completely single at the moment. Oh, so you're an eligible bachelor. Apparently, that's what they tell me anyway. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So where should we start with your journey? Just uh, if we're going to look at your journey, where would where would your journey with God begin? For me, it began when I was actually three years old. You can remember back that far? I can remember far? back that far. Um, my dad actually and the church elders down in, uh, down in Warrnambool came into our, our Sabbath school and they did a mini communion with us in Sabbath school and showed okay. us about communion. What's a Sabbath school? Help me understand. Um, so basically it's a meeting of like six similar age kids in the morning. We just learn about Jesus for the first, for an hour. At church? Uh, at church, yes. Okay. All right. So it's it's age-specific Age-specific for each of the groups. And, yeah, um, okay, cool. And so it was me and all the other three-year-olds at, at, that, at that stage. And we um, they did a mini, a mini communion. They did opened up the bread, talk about breaking the bread and how it represents Jesus' body and the, and the wine and how it represents Jesus' blood. And I went through all those symbols and they washed my feet as well and it was really cool. And at that point, I decided I wanted to follow Jesus and actually when I went home, Mate, I asked awesome. my mum and dad to, if I could be baptised. I was three years old. So I pestered them every year, every year since then to be baptised. But three years old for me was that first pivotal moment that I can remember in my life about Jesus. Wow, that's a, that's incredible. That's really cool. So, so as a young young boy, really of a three year old, you made that decision to follow Jesus. So, when were you then baptized? I was baptized when I turned ten. After subsequently pestering my mum and dad every single year since then. But I so for seven years, seven you... years I pestered every single year about that time. Can I please be baptized? Wow. Um, so, what, what was the, what's the date of your baptism? It uh, was just... actually the twenty fourth of June um, when I turned ten, so two thousand and seven, I think. Wow. So now if, you, if someone's smart out there, they could figure out your age from that, which you said before anyway, I was 20. So that's that's pretty cool. So you were baptized at the age of 10. Um, what what else was happening? Um, well, I'd, uh, I had a bit of a journey at that point, I guess. I'd, um, I was a bit of a, a troubled child. I, uh, I used to cause a few issues around, around school. Um, what, getting into trouble at school? Oh, just because I couldn't sit still because I, I was just – I knew stuff and I was very, very smart, but I – I just didn't know how to express myself, I guess, because when I was in kindergarten, uh, I went to an OT, occupational therapist, and they, they told my mum and dad that I had the coordination and the speech of an extremely badly damaged child, brain-damaged child. Wow. But I was obviously smart because, because I could tell directions around the town and I could do all these things, but I couldn't speak very well and I couldn't catch a ball or I couldn't do anything with my hands. So at that point... My mum and dad made a decision to try and work with me, and that was a bit of a step back, I guess, over over that period. Step of time. back in in what way? Step back for you, or step, step back for me? Because I'm questioning why is why am I like that? Because I'm I was could tell that I was different to all the other kids. Okay, which is a, a little bit and strange as as a young kid. Yeah, so you knew that there was something something going something on. going on. Yeah, okay. So how was that for your parents? Well, my mum, she's a teacher. Um, she. 
decided that she was going to do something about this. And so she did everything Go, from, Mum. from Dr. Dots with me every single day at church. I'd be sitting there doing Dr. Dots every day at home um, just to try and get my coordination a bit better to doing maths and different things on bits of paper just to try and change my my coordination. So, so your mum didn't accept, accept no. what it was. She, she just, just said, I'm going right. to, I'm going to work on this. And um, also I went to a speech therapist every single day for my entire primary or every single week, sorry, from my entire primary school journey. Wow. Fantastic. And the results of that, I can speak like this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's fantastic, man. I, I think that demonstrates a couple of things. Tenacity of parents, mm-hmm. you know, just it never, is, never let go, just hang in there and just keep working. And the ability of what God's given us, our brain, to actually recreate itself and heal itself and to work and to do all of those things if you, if you really set it to work. It's absolutely amazing. And the fact I was able to do that. But it wasn't just mum. It was dad as a pastor as well. And okay, so tell doing, me about that. What was he doing? Um, well, he's, he's a church minister. And so I've grown up with him always in a church, always busy, always, always doing things. Um, so you're a PK, a I'm pastor's a pa- PK, kid. I'm a PK, a pastor's kid, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've grown up with that, and it's, it's been an awesome journey um, to watch my dad do things and, and to be able to learn from what he's done throughout my entire life. But dad stepped in there as well and was consistently teaching me how to how to speak and how to get up the front and speak as well because he could. And by, te- by modelling it to me, I was able to learn how he was doing and enabled me to be able to improve my speech by, by watching um, and learning. Yeah, fantastic. So what were some of the hard things of as, as a kid growing up then? Um, school, for one. That's, I think that's a big thing for everyone. Um, but for me, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was in year one. Um, and that, for me, wasn't a setback as much as it was an understanding of what was going on. So bouncing off the walls a little bit. Yeah, I, did, I just couldn't sit still um, in class. Like I'd have to get up and move every every few minutes um, okay. and walk around walk around a classroom randomly and sit back down again. <laughs> There's no reason for it, but I just did. Um, it was very funny, but as part of that... Yeah, my mum would have uh, something for that. She'd say, you know, that's just worms. That's you just know, worms. Just don't worry about that, you know. Yeah, um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was very funny, but... As part of that, kids also saw there was something different in me. Right. And in Australia, when kids see, see there's something different with you, they don't just say nothing, they start to say things. And so I started to cop a bit of bullying as well in primary school um, from about year two onwards. Um, okay. Which, another, which for me was a setback personally because I'm going, what is so separate or different about me that they can pick on me for it? Um, yeah. Which is a big issue. Yeah, how did you? How did you and your family manage that? Well, because because bullying, you know, is a, is is a perennial issue just for lots of kids mm-hmm. growing up. Today. Well, for for me, um, the big issue was that I had to I had to focus. I had to work out why it was happening, and we had to talk to the school and put strategies in place with the school so that if there was an issue that I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone, I had someone that I could go and talk to, like a teacher that I trusted, and also we taught strategies for me for dealing with it so if someone says something to me i don't react i just accept it and move on and don't if i don't react to them often they stopped saying it um so it's all about many you strategies. took their power away i took know, the power the, away what's what's the fun if you're not responding exactly and so it's all it's all about it's horrible but it's all about giving yourself strategies for dealing with situations like that and that happened the entire way through my school career wow yeah. Okay. And and so in the space of all of that, um, how did how did your parents manage all of that as well? Because this must have been a bit tough on them at times. I think it was tough on them. My mum, um, 
she's probably the main the main person who who dealt with a lot of that um, because she saw it going on because she was also a teacher um, mm-hmm. and my dad um, he he was I think questioning a little bit but at the same time he went in he was actually in the school active and talking to my teachers and the principal to talk about why it's happening and what can we do to stop it because bullying was happening everywhere and so it wasn't just me and so my mum and dad were actually trying to step in and work out how so to they're stop it raging against the culture the that culture was it wasn't the just school. they weren't just getting cranky at the kids that were doing it to me yep it was the sh- let's change the culture the system let's let's work on yep. the system yeah fantastic what a great outcome that is so um so you've got a, a little cluster of things going on and your, your parents are actively getting involved in your life um what would you say to some some parents who may have that kind of stuff going on in their life too um, you know, with be, your own kids. Be active. Talk to your kids. Your kids will talk to you if you talk to them. Um, and you're actually interested in their life. Give them time. Yeah. And once you've given them time, invest in their life. Don't become a helicopter parent, but know what's going on. Yeah, like that, like that. And and um, helicopter parent, just tell us about that. That's a concept that some people may not have heard of. You've seen parents hover around their kids' lives and cushion them from all the things that could go possibly wrong. Kids need things to go wrong, and I needed things to go wrong to be able to grow in God and be able to understand God's plan for my life. And by when I had things going wrong, my mum and dad were there to support me and help me out with the issues, but I had to help solve them myself. Wow, what a what a great thought that is. We're going to come back um, after a song. It's by it's called My Lighthouse by Ren Collective. And uh, after this song, we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about why you needed things to go wrong Looking to help you develop. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through You are the peace in my troubled sea Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea In the silence you won't let go In the questions your truth will hold Your great love will lead me through you are the peace in my troubled sea Whoa, You are the peace in my troubled sea My lighthouse, my lighthouse Shining in the darkness, I will follow you to shore, safe to shore, safe to shore, safe to shore. I won't feel what tomorrow brings, with each morning I'll rise and sing, my God's love will lead me through 
and welcome back to Faith FM 87.6. And I'm speaking with Andrew Pratt. I had to just get my brain into gear there for a second, Andrew. And um, just before we went to the song, and what a great song that is, My Lighthouse, we're actually just talking about how you needed some things to go wrong in your life. That's That's an interesting thing to say. I mean, why would you even say that? Having things go wrong in your life, it gives you an opportunity to grow. If nothing goes wrong, I don't think I would have grown. Um, If I hadn't have been diagnosed with ADHD, if I hadn't have had people bullying me, if I hadn't have had to sort out those issues, I don't think I would have been – I don't think I would have been a follower of God very well because I had to sort out these issues for myself with God alongside and it allowed me to see how he was actually working in my life, I guess. Um, And my parents at the same time seeing their faith throughout these issues was important because they they didn't question God. They accepted it, worked with God and worked with me to try and work it out. Okay, cool. So... So these things, because we're, we're talking about hovercraft parents or, or, or helicopter, helicopter parents. parents, and they're the ones who tend to hover around exactly. and, and almost want to stop little Johnny or Mary from, um, from getting hurt in any way at all. I mean, pe- kids these days don't go outside anyway, but parents need to be able to give their kids space at school to go and play, to go and get in trouble, to go and get bullied. It's a horrible idea. Or to fall out of a tree. Fall out of a tree, all those sort of things. Because if a kid never has anything go wrong, when they get out into the real world as an adult, if something goes wrong, they don't know how to deal with it, don't know how to accept it, Hmm. don't know how to just move on with it. Yeah, okay. Uh, And and that's an important part of building resilience for someone. Exactly. And that's clearly something that was going on for you. Resilience, I think, was probably one of my key, or is probably my key key value or my my key moral fibre in my, in my being. The belief that, that you can bounce back bounce no matter back what anything. life throws you If something away. goes wrong, I just accept it. Okay, let's work and make, the, make it better. Um, I mean, high school is probably the prime example of resilience. Everything's going wrong. You're, you're changing in your body and in your, your voice. Everything's changing. All your friends are changing. You're becoming more mature. You're accepting things differently. You're building on things. And I think that resilience allows you to work through that effectively rather than question your own being, you're accepting your own being. Right. Now, you had you had a number of other things to accept as well, didn't you? Yes. I, uh, I was diagnosed with autism in year four, then atypical autism in year six, and so all a, those sorts of things. This is like the perfect storm almost. You everything, know? everything was going wrong. And um, the, other, the other day, I actually was asked by a lecturer, what is your story? And I've grown up a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm like, well, I don't really have one. Oh, wait a second. I do. <laughs> yeah, you, you actually I do. Because do, as we're just chatting um, here, you know, and, this is a very interesting and story. I, and I've been thinking about my story for the past few days and I had all these things like autism, atypical autism, dyspraxia, dysgraphia. Right now to me, it doesn't mean anything. Like well, it, well, a number of those labels don't mean a whole lot to me as well. So break that down. What, so um, I'll start off with the autism one. Autism is is a massive spectrum of, um, of people. Some people have got intellectual issues and other people who it's more social for. And so for me, it's called atypical autism. And so it means I've or it's now been called high functioning. So it now means my brain functions at a much faster rate. Okay. Um, and it means that I can process many, much more things at once. And my, um, I, I, but it means I've got a social issue. I, I struggle in social uh, settings quite often. Um, but it also means that 
because I'm processing so many things, my brain actually takes longer to compute and to spit it out. So if someone asks me a question, it'll take me double the time to to work out what they're actually meaning. So it means that when someone asks me a question, I stall and then I work it out and then I can answer it. Okay. Um, so it's it's a it's a whole heap of things and I'm, I can't really explain them all, but I need good routine. Most people with autism struggle with routine. They can't. They just can't deal with it. It's just an intellectual thing in their brain. If I change a routine, it's the end of the world. Um, and the best described just as a chemical imbalance for me. It's just my brain is slightly different. Okay. Um, but the things that come with it is dys- dyspraxia, which basically I've got a tremor in my hand permanently, um, and so I use a computer to type everything up at school rather than and college, write by hand. rather than writing by hand because it's Ill- completely illegible. You won't be able to read it. And my dysgraphia as well as affects, affects my dysgraphia, handwriting. Dysgraphia, that's... So it's basically, once again, it's so basically my muscles uh, will spasm every now and again and I will have a, have a tremor and it will affect my writing again. So there's okay. two things that affect my writing. Um, but dyspraxia is more like uh, dys- dyslexia really because um, it also affects your r- reading. So letters will shimmy and shake for me. Um, okay. Yeah. So... I don't know, a cheeky part of me was going to say pretty exciting. You know, you've got letters dancing around the page. But, but I guess as a young person growing up, that's, that's pretty tough. It's pretty tough because I, I, I love learning. I'm an academic, I, I call myself. I love science. I love everything like that. And I, I did really well in all those subjects, but it was difficult because I couldn't read. Like you're blitzing language studies at, in your I'm, course at the moment. I've got an exam next week that I hope I'm going to blitz. Um, I've got a fair bit to learn before then, but I love I love languages. What language is that? That's, that's Greek, that's and Greek. I've already learned Hebrew, and, and I've got a high distinction Hebrew. for that. So you've got a high distinction in Hebrew. You, you're aiming for the same in Greek. Hopefully. Yeah, mate, way to go. And and you think back to in primary school, you had this, this diagnosis which said, oh, well, look, you know um, – you got no hope. Yeah, basically. that's it. That's, that's, that's what the person, the occupational therapist, said. And these days, my occupational therapists say you're extremely smart, but you've got these couple of minor things that you've worked through. Yeah. Wow. What what changes have happened in society? So uh, so you you had all of that going on. What sort of support were you getting? Um, so from my mum and dad, obviously they were supporting me twenty four seven. I mean everything. They were setting up routines for me so I felt comfortable at home and yep. if there was a route change in routine they'd deal with my temper tantrum that would, that would in- inevitably happen. Um and that that's an important support. But other support was at school. Um schools actually have what's called a last, a learning and support teacher. And so they put in practice um exam help so I could use my computer. I had extra time because of my processing delay. Okay. All now if someone's in a school where they don't have that, maybe they don't have the resources for that, what should they do? Um well, first up is there's a board in Australia called the Anti-Discrimination Board. Yep. And that's a good place to go is to talk to them and they'll give you help. And if you also just call the Department of Education representation for your area, they can sort out anything that you need. Um, and they all they all know the legislation as well. Okay. So there, there's actually things in place. There's which, things in place. Which means that the government or the education department and, and the local school then have to get in. Have to get things. in. So every single school has to have a last these days, a learning and support teacher. Okay. Fantastic. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, so you had that going on. Yep. And, and obviously, how did you go in your, your studies going through school? Um. I, uh, I went very well mostly. Um, I, had, I had this funny thing. Every first term of every single year, I never did well because it was a new routine and I struggled with new routines. But after that, I would get almost 100% for the rest of the year and always finish with top marks for, for the year. It, 
I loved I love learning. So you just like starting with a bit of a handicap at this Apparently, part of each year. I, it looks like that. <laughs> even 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 in uh even at college I do exactly the same thing. Really? I, I struggle for the first few weeks and I get into it, but um it's just I guess learning is what it's something I love. I love learning. I love learning about everything. Um if I could know as much I love just finding out information. I, I will read medical journals and science journals and physics journals just for fun at home and um, at school, that helped me out because because I, I was constantly trying to learn things outside. I came to school and I already knew things, and I could I could so wow things. what what an amazing story this is, Andrew. And uh, we're going to get you back again to to pick up more of your story of of your journey of faith. But at the moment, we're just really looking at you as a young person mm. growing up with diagnosed um, a range of disabilities. And how with a supportive family, not only have you overcome the odds, but you're now actually studying a BA in ministry and mastering languages and very complex things and doing extremely well. I mean, you're pulling off HTs. That's an outstanding story. It is. It is. I'm, uh, I'm very surprised myself quite often. Yeah. Wow. I bet. I bet. So what would you say to, to, um, to a family if they were listening to this today and what would you, what would you want them to go away with? Number one, for me and for my family, um, faith is important, but then understanding that things sort themselves out and just work through it. Just work through it. Just work through it. I like that. So so it's just like hang in there and and, uh, pay attention to the things, work hard and uh, stay together Mm -hmm. as a group family and you can overcome. You can overcome. In our family, things seem to go wrong all the time, but we just work and work and work and eventually we look back at the end of the year and everything's happened. Yeah, fantastic! Wow, what a what a great outcome that is, Andrew. And uh, I just want to thank you for for coming in today and for just sharing your story because this can't be an easy story for you because of all that's happened to you as you've gone through. But this is a story that can encourage so many families who might be going through similar circumstances at the moment. My pleasure. So um, we're just going to um, to go to finish off now with a song. It's uh, How Deep by Shannon Harris. And you've been listening to an interview with Andrew Pratt. And Andrew, we're going to be picking up this story again tomorrow as we just explore more of your life. So thanks so much for coming My in. My pleasure. Faith FM 87.6. And here's a song, How Deep by Shannon Harris. Hey, and welcome back to Faith FM 87.6. And we've hit the middle of the week. And in the middle of the week, we are interviewing for our second day now, Andrew Pratt. And Andrew, thanks so much for coming back again today. Really appreciate that. My absolute and utter pleasure. Yeah, mate, that's awesome. Because yesterday, as as you were taking us through your journey, which some might consider, you know, a a bit of a a rugged start to life, you know, because you had a whole cluster of diagnosed issues actually going wrong. And yet, in the face of all of that, not only did you conquer those, but you've you've really mastered it because you're doing really well. You're, You're pulling off... Um, you know, high distinctions in a, in a tertiary studies now. So fantastic. But one of the things that, that I wanted to actually go back to is, is your journey of faith. Yes. So you were sharing how you got baptized at the age of 10. Tell us about that. So, so I got baptized at the age of 10. And for me, that was probably the pivotal moment in my spiritual journey. Um, it was after me crash asking to be baptized for many years, as I said the other day, but um, when I was baptised, it was not just special for me. For me, it was also special for everyone that was there because um, I got, actually got baptised on my birthday at a kids' church, um, which was which was pretty exciting. So there was lots of other kids around in, in Avondale Memorial Church in Kurrumbong and and they were all watching me make a decision for Jesus. Um, and for me, that was important. But 
that that pivotal moment of being baptized, I think, set me up for my teenage years of questioning, of doubt, because I'd, I'd already made a commitment. And because I'd made that commitment, I was going to work through it and keep to it. Yeah, because that's one of the interesting things that, that research actually indicates is that that one of the most important times for de- making decisions for kids, faith decisions that is, is this preteen age. You know, 10 to 12 years of age is when a great chunk of kids make decisions and it, that puts them in good stead. It does indeed. And for me, I think it set me up very, very effectively because I was going to have things happen in high school such as bullying and all those sort of things that we're going to make me question God again. And yeah, like where's God in the midst why, of that? Why is all this going on, on with me? Why am I failing at this subject? Why, yeah. why are all these things happening? And I think because I'd been baptised, I already had that commitment and it meant I was keeping to it, um, which for me was important for my faith journey because it was developing at that stage and I was, I was gathering a few more ideas in my head of, of God and the image of God. I already knew who he was and I already accepted his teachings, but... I, so I was, what sort of a picture of God were you then getting? Tell I think, me about that. I think it was um, – I'd already had a picture that, that God loved me and Jesus loved me, but I think I saw how God works in my life and it was that image that God is actually interested in me Yeah, um, and he understood what I was going through and that he was there to help me. Um, and far too often I think even, even I do at that age is I just assume God was in in that moment. Um. But I think later on, when I looked back of it, back on it, I could see that God was there and He was teaching me something, um, and He was actually interested in trying to teach me about Him and about myself. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, there's a there's a passage of scripture. I just want to read this. This is Romans five, and this is what it says. It says, um, "You see, therefore, since we've been justified through our faith." Um, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And then he says this, and this is the bit that I really want to focus on. And we rejoice in, um, in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance develops character, and character hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into his heart by his spirit. So here's this beautiful picture that, that God's saying, hey, you got stuff going on, no problem. I'm going to be right there with you because this is going to help develop you. And that's certainly what's been happening for you, eh? Absolutely. Um, I guess from, from from being baptized at a young age, um, a lot of people question that. Why, why were you baptized so young? <clears throat> Excuse me. And I guess for me, I was baptized so young because I needed to be. Yeah. And God knew that I needed to be. Well, you were be. ready as well. I, I, think, I, I think I was ready. Yeah. Um, some people will say, oh, I don't think I was ready, but I was absolutely ready to be baptised. And being baptised so young, God knew, would keep me in the church. Now, now you say so young. I mean, there, there are some Christian organisations or, or, or uh, denominations who would actually practise infant baptism. Now, we don't do that. So as Adventists, you might just want to just so say a little bit So I was that. dedicated when I was a kid. Um, so my mum and dad were going to bring me up to be a Christian. Okay. Um, and then when I was... Eight, I, I committed, I did a child commitment service, so I said I want to follow Jesus. And, okay. I, and I did Bible studies. And baptism is actually a symbol that you're going to, it's a public proclamation that you're following Jesus. Okay, and, and we do that as, as people of age. People of age usually. Because we want them to have made a, their own personal choice yes. rather than the choice of their family. It's, it's a choice for them that, that I'm going to do this and I accept the teachings of Jesus as well. Okay, so then now what happened after that? 
Um, well, after I was baptised, I obviously went to high school. Um, Dad moved from working at Avondale Memorial Church to working in, in the Seventh-day Adventist Conference Office for North and South Wales, and so there was a few other family changes. And I guess going to high school is probably the biggest faith test one can have. Um, I went to Morissette High School. Yay, um, I'm very, a Morissette High School grad too. Yeah, I um, love it. But going there, I there, there wasn't a big Christian community in that school at that time. Um, and well, hey, it's a public high school. It's a public right? high school, but even, even so, people at that stage um, with the social and the political climate was that that people were questioning religion. Yeah. Um, and so I was constantly being questioned, why do you follow God? Why do you do this? Why, um, why all, all those why questions um, about God? And um, I had one, one friend who, he was a devout atheist, and he straight up almost abused me everyone's, almost every day. Why do you do this? Why do you do this? Why do you do this? Um, and for me, that was the biggest test of faith I could have. Because people were, de- were trying to bring down the pillars of my beliefs. Right. Um, the things that held up my beliefs, they were trying to rip them out from underneath me. And I I was trying so hard not to have those ripped out from underneath so me. So what did you discover through all of that? Well, I discovered that when people ask questions like that, they're actually questioning for themselves. They're not questioning me. Nice. They're questioning for them for themselves. Yeah. Um, I mean... This, this that guy I talked about who was an atheist who was questioning me every single day. He sent me a text message yep. about five months ago while I was uh, being a counsellor at summer camp. He uh, he sent me a message and he said, hey, Andrew, um, you might not remember me, but I, I constantly questioned you in high school about why you believe God. I just want to tell you that you should never step away from what you believe because I've just come to know God. And, wow. and, I, and I want to tell you that I'll never give that up. And so he had been questioning for himself, in my opinion, throughout high school. And I, I never responded to him once. Never responded to him. In what, what sort of way do you mean? So I, I never gave him what he wanted. I never, I never tried to explain God to him. I just said, because I do. I, I never tried to evangelize to him or, or try to tell him what, what he should believe. Right. I just said, this is what I believe. And yep. this is why I believe it. And I think that... Was important because it gave him space. Gave to, him space to question for himself, and okay. he and he all, he's now a Christian, and he lives on the Gold Coast, and he's now got a kid, he's now got a family, and he goes to church every week. Wow, that's pretty special. And I, I, for me, that's a, that's an important testament for my faith, and it confirmed my faith to me that what you're doing is completely legitimate. Okay, now you're you're now studying at a theological seminary. Yes, to become a pastor. Yes, how did that happen? Well, when I was in high school, I wanted to become a doctor. Of, of all course, things. of course, you did. Um, I love science. I love biology. I love physics and ripping bodies apart. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I, I got I got to year to year twelve, um, and I'd already done a year of physics and biology and setting yourself up for setting myself school. up for medicine. And yep. Then I decided, you know what? Well, this hold that hold that thought right there because we're going to be uh, we're going to be right back after a break. We're going to um, to a song by Chris Tomlin called "Unfailing Love." We'll be right back. You have my heart, and I am yours forever. 
87.6 Faith FM and I'm talking with Andrew Pratt about his story and just before we went to the break he was setting himself up doing physics and uh, and biology and and in year 12 setting himself up really to enter med school yes yes and so I got I got to that point and I thought you know what I don't really want to 
gym medicine. I feel like I want to go and do something else. And I'd been doing ministry through my, through my local church, Gateway Adventist Church. Um, I've been involved in the, in the Sabbath school, the youth Sabbath school as a leader, and I'd been working up the back on the, on the visuals team. And it was at that point that I went, I'm having so much fun doing ministry activities. Why don't I just do that for a living? And what a grand I'll be, idea! I'll be happy. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I have lots of fun with science and medicine and all those sort of things, but I decided to have more fun doing ministry. Um, and now I see that you've actually got this. Andrew's sitting here, and he's actually got this thing with Stormco written on it. Yes, and my Stormco shirt. So I do, I do Stormco trips, and I've always done Stormco trips since I was. I a wouldn't kid. have a clue what a Stormco. Oh, well, actually, I do. Um, I run, but, <laughs> but someone out, you know. Yes, it's uh, so Stormco stands for service to others really matters, and what it is is we take groups of people, youth or, or adults, and you pay to go on these. We, trips. we pay to go on these trips, so. We'll We'll give up a week of our time and pay a hundred or more dollars for the food, whatever else, and accommodation to go out into a remote community on the coast or out west or up north. And we all that we do is just do ministry. So we, we do service. So we ask people what they need and we do it. So anything from building a windmill in a town to water a, a public garden. Public garden, mowing fences, lawn. mowing lawns, tidying up people's yards, running kids' clubs, kids' programs, exactly. whatever it is. Just doing things with the teens in the streets, just helping them. So anything that that community needs whatsoever. Fantastic sort of work. So the count, the mayor can say they want something, or the or the local people can say they want something, and we'll go and work out a way to do it for them. Fantastic! That is so awesome. So that that's part that's of the, part of the ministry. What you ministry grew up journey. doing? Um, I've grown up doing it all the time, and I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, and. It was one, that was one of the things that really played into my decision to go and choose to do ministry. And so when it came time in year 12 to apply to get an ATAR, I, uh, I just ticked a few random boxes such as the biggest engineering degree I could see. I ticked that as my, my first choice because I didn't need any of that because I had a plan to go off and do ministry. Um, and so eventually when my ATAR came out, I got into um, a double degree in biomedical engineering uh, with honours. How cool would that be? <laughs> and so I'm the only student ever from my school to get into that degree and no one else in my year got into engineering. So my school was very annoyed with me. I didn't go and do engineering, but I've gone off and I've done ministry and I haven't looked back. And it's for me, making that decision was a confirmation of my faith journey. Yeah. Awesome. Now, on this journey through your life, there have been times when when you've like – like I know your dad and there are times when your dad's nearly been wiped out – with things, how, how about you? Have, you? have you had any near misses like that? Um, well, uh, when I was when I went, I was four years old and my sister was being born. Um, my dad has often told a story about a flying cow. Um, a flying cow. And now, so, look, we, I've heard of the cow jumped over the moon, but a flying cow. Yes. So we were, we were coming home from Geelong Hospital. My dad was taking me to a friend's place. My mum was about to have my sister. This was on my birthday because my sister's born the day after me, and. Um, we were coming on Freya and my dad's a country boy from Mildura and he saw a cow on the side of the road. So what does he do? He this gets is on it, the freeway. On the freeway. He pulls over and tries to get his cow off the edge of the road because he's a country boy and he wants night to do time. it. At night time. Late, late at night. I think it was about 11.30 p.m. And um, this cow decides not to move. It just moves at him and he throws a rock at it and it walks out onto, onto the road and there's two semi-trailers coming by racing each other. I don't know if you've ever seen semi-trailers race, but it's a scary sight. Um, anyway, the what the first one hit is cow, and it bounced on the top of the trailer, and then it hit the second truck and bounced on top of that truck's trailers, and it started boomeranging through the air towards my dad, 
and then towards me, and I was sitting in a little Mazda 121 bubble car. Yep. That's literally the smallest car in Australia, I reckon, at that point. Yeah, and you're going to be wiped out. You're going to be wiped out by this massive cow. And it, in, in my physics brain these days, when I look back at it, that cow should have hit that car. Because it was going straight for it. Straight for it. But somehow it slipped over the top and dropped right next to the passenger side door. And that's one instance where I should have been gone. So it was on the trajectory coming down. Coming and down, it was going to hit me. And then it, had, it, it was just gonna, moved. It just moved and it just somehow went over the top of the car and dropped next to me. Wow. So that's one instance. There's a few others that have happened throughout my life that... Which is a clear indication, I guess, that God has some sort of special plan for you in your life. He has to. Yeah. All those things tell me he has to. And that just confirms again that going and doing ministry because he wouldn't have... If God wasn't real... I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, all those things that went wrong with my with all these different things I was diagnosed with as well, that could have set me into a deep depression and at risk of but suicide. It hasn't. it hasn't. And being here bullied, bull- being bullied. Yes, I was sad, but I was never depressed. I don't think. And um, here you are, quite resilient, knowing that God's got you right where he wants you to be and he's got a, a glorious plan for your Indeed, life it's amazing. what do you think the next five ten years are going to bring for you what do you hope they bring well i'm hoping i um i graduate in oh, uh, 2018 yeah. um, i'm hoping i get picked up and employed somewhere um i want to work in a church um for a little while and experience what it's like to work with a community of believers um yeah. and work all that out and i want to see what other opportunities come up for me um See what happens. Um, I don't have a specific plan. I'm, I'm keen just to see what happens and what God has in store for me because um, I could be called anywhere at all. Yeah, because that's the glorious thing of being a pastor. Yeah. You know, there's, there's churches that exist, well... In the middle of whoop whoop. Yeah, well, <laughs> and globally, all over the Maybe earth. All over the earth. So I could be called anywhere. Um, so I just want to see what happens. And I guess if, if any opportunity comes up that I think is awesome... And it's a great opportunity. I think I'll probably take them. Yeah, and so you should. Wow, it's it's a great pleasure just talking with you, Andrew. Is there anything that you'd like to say to to others? You know, if if they're thinking around doing some service for God, how could they get involved in helping and serving? Well, the be- best way they can probably get involved in helping and serving is talking to their. If they're involved in a local church, talk yeah. to the local church and see what programs are happening. If there are no programs, we'll talk to your minister and work out a way to start some programs. And if you can't do that, well, then get involved in things things like Clean Up Australia, um, all those different events that happen in, nationally because they're all service events. And if you're doing them with the heart for God, you're serving God. And yeah, so there could be Lions, it could be Road Trip, it could be Clean Up Australia Day, it could your be local, your local, local faith club. community, local chook club. Anything. Um like my dad, he's involved in our in our in the Central Coast Chook Club, and I am as well. And we just hang out with the guys and just chat. Yeah, fantastic! Wow. So, what would be, I guess, um, just just uh, in in all of that? So, you, you've got this heart for serving and, and doing all of these things. What would be the um, your greatest joy? I guess right now, my yeah. greatest joy is uh, I'm working in youth ministry. At Toronto Church, my greatest joy is seeing more youth come along that haven't come along before. Yep. New believers. We've had five baptisms of youth members in the past eight months, if that, six six months even. Yeah. And for me, 
just seeing people make a commitment so, is the greatest so, joy. So seeing others actually get what you've got. Get what I've got. And understand that God is this amazing God of love. I'd love for everyone to know. And so that's my that's why partly why I'm doing ministry is I want everyone to, um, to have the peace and the hope and the joy. So peace, hope, and joy, you want them to get that? I want everyone to have that around the world. All right. So what would be the steps to get that? Well, first off is if you want – if you're thinking about attending a local church, just do it. Um, if you never open up the Bible, open up the Bible and start reading from the Gospels, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Like it. If you if you feel like you want to make a commitment, talk to your talk to your pastor, talk to your minister. If you know a Christian in your workplace, talk to them. They're probably happy to talk to you. Um, just just question and ask, and your journey will start. Nice. I like that. I, I like that a lot in terms of how God is can actually pull, I, I guess, just give you the things that you need. You, you know, need it's, you. it's this this hope and this peace. And, and I like what you said, you know, the Bible, just grab a Bible and start reading it. You know, it is the number one bestseller. It is. Um, globally it's, it's in, every year. And if you're away on a, work, on a work trip and you're in a motel, just pull out the drawer. There's one in every single motel in Australia. Yeah. There is, and if you if you haven't got a Bible, they're so easy to come by. You can literally get that for twelve dollars from a uh, from any bookstore. Yeah, fantastic, mate, and um, love love this, love the journey you're on, and, and where God's taking you, and the fact that He's got you where He wants you to be, and mm. that's really obvious. But also how that um, in the midst of all of that, He's using you to help others. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, and I've. Uh, I'm on a journey, and it's, it's still going. Um, I'm nowhere near the end of it, so yeah, I don't know if I feel like I've only just been started that journey. Yeah, well, well, you're young, but you know, there's. I, I just think it's so cool that he's a young person, you know, 20 years of age. Um, Andrew Pratt grew up in Morissette, you know, the home boy, you know, from from um, from that part of the lake, and and yet here you are on this journey with God, and God's going to use you to to impact so many people's lives. I think this is just fabulous. It's absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, look, you're very welcome. You know, I just want to thank you for coming in today and uh, for, for what you shared yesterday as well. It's been such a such a pleasure actually having you on our show. And we're just going to finish up with a with a beautiful song. It's the Lord's Prayer. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, it's the, the song is the Lord's Prayer Deliver Us, and it's by Selah. And uh, it's just a beautiful song, but it's a song that we just want you just to think about and meditate on as you just think about some of the things that Andrew's been sharing with us. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.